Give it the old, give it the old three, two, one. Damn, son. Welcome to the Space Cadets Pod episode something. Um, lost lost track. It's been it's been a few months. It has. It's been. We're back. Yeah, we've been we've been unable to to record a podcast. We tried doing a remote podcast. Yeah, it was um it was difficult. It wasn't it's not easy. As good. It wasn't easy. Like it, there's definitely something to being in the same room as the person, like not having that lag, being able to actually like yeah. see each other's expressions. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I don't, I'm not a fan of the uh, the phone lag when you're talking on the phone to someone. Yeah, it's not great, especially when it's really slow, and then it's just awkward. I mean, this is kind of like what work, working from home has been like for this whole time. Really, there's always just that tiny little bit of lag that makes conversations just a little bit more clunky than they should be. Clunk, clunk, clunk. clunk. Well, the clunk is over. We're back. <laughs> the clunk is the clunk is over. <laughs> Stage four lockdown in Melbourne is Z- over. Zero cases for days. Up mm. in Melbs. For like a week straight now. Yeah. Zero new cases. It's looking pretty good for that beach run. We got it under control. My next door neighbor, um, it's like, I think it was Monday that we got, we were allowed to leave the 25Ks. I went out there at like 10 a.m. and he's packing his car. He's like, <laughs> he's already off. He's like, I'm off to Phillip Island, son. Phillip Island. <laughs> Take me to the beaches. <laughs> I need to go to the beach. That would be good. Phillip Island's I'd, great. Have you been down there? Not for a long time. I went there for the racing. I was going to say, there would be like a Formula One there, though. For uh, MotoGP. MotoGP. The motorbikes. Motorbikes, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. It's a famous one. Yeah. It's a famous one for that. Yeah, it's pretty good. But like, apparently there's like penguins and it's a whole holiday Mm. deal as well. Yeah, no, I went down and saw the penguins, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how the... I mean, penguins, like you just think of Antarctica, right? But I mean, they actually... (laughs) They come up. They're everywhere. They're in Melbourne. They're in St. Kilda. What? Have you not been to see them in St Kilda in Melbourne? They're in St Kilda. Yeah. They're at the pier there. St Kilda's just like a beach in Melbourne, just like in the bay. Yeah. For, for, oh, any, for, for any don't non-Melburnians. Know. I don't know if we've got many. <laughs> I don't actually know how to talk to a group of people anymore. I just sort of talk to myself. So yeah. you're just going to get some of that. That's fine. We get the Melbourne, <laughs> you know, um, uh, perspective of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want. Yeah, you should go see the penguins, dude. They're very cute. Wait, wait what are they, enclosed or? No, they just live there. Well, St Kilda Beach is a pretty busy spot. They live on the pier. They like hide in the rocks and stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Why have I not heard of this? I'm it seems like something you I should be aware of. of. Yeah, it does. It does seem like that. <laughs> Damn. You've been a resident of Melbourne for how many years now? <laughs> Three? Three years, yeah. It's actually not that many. Yeah, and you have been really far from, uh, what do you call it, St Kilda Beach the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never, I've never been around Bayside kind of, kind of area. Um, yeah. I mean, my grandma lives in that area, um, but uh, other than visiting her, <laughs> nice. not really. Yeah, I went there the other day because uh, lockdown was eased a little bit and we could go to the beach. And so we did that. It's not, it's not as nice as the coast. I prefer the, uh, the yeah. coastal beaches. No, the, um, the bay beaches. City, city beaches. Not quite good no. enough. No. Yeah. Like Altona Beach and Williamstown Beach and stuff like that. That's just I don't know. I feel like because they got so many ships coming into the bay, yeah, the water quality is not as good. Oh, it's straight up brown, dude. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's and like it, rusty. And it's the bay, right? So like the water doesn't exactly flush out that easily. No, it's like it's very it's, it's very, small, very stagnant compared to other areas of the ocean. There's only like a narrow channel 
mm-hmm. where that water could actually go out. And so, yeah, I mean, with the the bustle of a city of five million people, it just doesn't really happen. So, yeah, yeah. I was. It's interesting. I was thinking, like, do you reckon we could take advantage of the bay? Because the bay, like, does have some benefits to it. Like, it's quite um, stagnant. Like, um, not stagnant. You know, it doesn't move much. Like, it's not like surf, right? So. Could you like stick some floating pontoons out there and like build some buildings on it? Is that going to sell solve the development crisis in Melbourne? Yeah, we'll just continue out into the into the ocean. I don't see why not. I mean, they they do this stuff all over the world. I mean, you'd get a sweet breeze out there as well. It wouldn't be like living in the burbs. Yeah, it'd be good. Like what they do in a lot of um, Asian countries is they um they like re I can't I want to say reconstitute. It's not the right word for it, but they like um recombobulate yeah they just chuck a bunch of dirt in the water and oh you're talking about like sandbars you're talking about like sandbars and uh but like on a major on a major scale though like they'll build a whole airport like a floating house or a floating city kind of thing no they just dump soil and Mm. build airports and well they do that in dubai don't they those those like islands yeah well that they've made those ones are quite like yeah they're, they're quite like pretty like you know they're designed to be you know kind of that extra thing for, yeah for the tourism and whatever yeah but in like macau or hong kong or whatever they'll just make extra land mm. and then just build on it well it would be a really good idea in melbourne especially because we've got um you know the way it is right now if you live on the outskirts of melbourne you're pretty much traveling for as long to get to the city center as you are mm. to go from an, like a, another city like geelong which is nearby which yeah. is ridiculous because you don't really live in melbourne do you you just sort of live <laughs> outside of this, uh, yeah. this mash. I don't think you'd get. I don't think you'd get a lot of um, positive um, reinforcement by uh, mobs like the EPA and stuff like that, though. Like the environmental protection groups would be pretty up in arms about just dumping soil in the bay and building on it. Mm. Um, so this is why I was thinking like you make them like floating pontoons. I think floating pontoons are a lot more. Sustainable. sustainable yeah sustainable touching not not really damaging the wildlife too much i would imagine unless people are like polluting and, and all that but you, you know you give them good uh trash yeah. management systems and that's stuff it. like that you can't have it turn into a venice where people are just <laughs> dumping their shit in the canals because <laughs> imagine if there was like a you know if there was an area in your floating city that turned into a bit of a like, oh, a, like a pacific garbage patch situation yeah, 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 where yeah. it's just like a swirl of plastic <laughs> That wouldn't be good. It would happen. It could. But, like, I know it's it's very nice to be, like, um, idealistic and, you know, we have good trash management systems and stuff like that, but I think people would just drop their trash in the water. No, I really I really don't. Like, I think we're past that. Like, <laughs> like Melbourne's, Melbourne's pretty good. Melbourne's pretty... Melbourne's pretty good. Yeah. We keep it pretty clean. Yeah. In fact, all of Australia is kind of a bit more conscious of that sort of stuff yeah like if you did this kind of thing oh it's in, nothing like japan or something like that though where they just like never even I, take if they they wouldn't even take a wrapper outside of their house i, I don't even want to name names but you know like malaysia and indonesia and um, okay so yeah they're pretty bad yeah like so they you know um i've talked about this on the podcast before actually you know boyan slat uh, that name. it rings a bell so this is the guy who's solving the pacific garbage patch problem yeah so he's like um oh, yeah, building yeah. like machines that scoop up all this plastic that's just collecting in the pacific ocean yeah um but um one of his recent innovations was um going to the source he's like look i can we can try and clean up all this 
crap that ends up out in the middle of the ocean all we want but unless we actually go to the source a bit a bit more um closely like we're not gonna um we're not gonna fix the problem so what's the source this is it so he he like analyzed all of the um like where all this garbage is coming from like i don't know how he did it um all this modeling and stuff on it and um basically found out that 90% of the plastic in that Pacific garbage patch is coming from like 10 rivers. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Wow. There's something crazy. Like 80% of the garbage is coming from like 20 rivers or something like that. Yeah. And so he like, um, he's built is these. Is he just like reading? He picks up like a rapper and reads the language that it's in and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that's come from Jakarta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know how he, how that happened, but. They, they did some crazy analysis on it. That's very years. impressive. And, um, yeah, so what he's done is he's designed these um, these floating pontoons that, um, like, suck up. Um, it's just like a big... It looks like a truck, I guess, but, like, floating on the water. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it has, like, under, under the water, it's got a lot of catchment stuff. And so, like, you can analyze rivers and where the garbage is actually flowing in the river, like, because it's going to be following, like, a current... So it's going to be in a specific kind of arc as it goes down the river. So he's 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 got like three of them now. He's like stuck these giant floating pontoons like right where all this all the plastic is going through the river, and it just sucks it all up. That's kind of funny from the perspective of if that's your river and and you're like this white guy's just come along. He's come and put like a little <laughs> trash catcher there because you're so dirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How would you feel? I don't, I, they just have a different attitude towards it over there. I don't yeah. know what it is, man. But like when I was in Thailand, they were just mm. they're just like whatever, dude. Chuck their ciggy butts straight in the water and stuff like that. Well, I think they're at a different like socioeconomic point, right? Like it's cheap, and it and they're very like plastic bags very useful. Mm. There's not like you know even and then straws and things like that. You know, have you ever tried to use a paper straw? It like disintegrates in like three minutes. They're just not. A, they're just metal reached. straws haven't been properly distributed yet. Metal straws have metal straws. Well, you can't just like give everyone a metal straw at a cafe. They're going to start like poking each other's eyes out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I was really worried about was um, when Maccas started dishing out free um, free glasses with the the meals. Free glasses. Didn't you remember that? Sunglasses or no, 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 like a a a cup, like a receptacle, the Coca Cola. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And and the people doing like Maccas runs at like four a.m. after getting smashed in town. And then they're just like handing him out these like glass cups. Yeah, people glassing each other and shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't see anyone get glass, but I can imagine it might have happened. Maccas would have suppressed that, suppressed those news articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would have controlled the controlled the media. <laughs> <laughs> these corporations, man. No, but that's very cool about uh, Boyan Slat's little robot machines that he's putting in the dirty zones. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the a problem. good idea. That's very good. This guy's 24, 25. Yeah. It's like our age. Yeah. And he's just like solving the world's problems. Yeah. So are we, dude. It's much slower. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get we're, there solving them, we're solving them on the Space Cadets pod right now. Yeah, this is, this <laughs> sorting is, out everyone's problems. This is where the problems get solved right here. And this is the uh, the think tank. Yeah. Of the next generation. Yeah. This is like the, the Bible of uh, the next generation. They're going to look back on this like... These guys know what's what to do. Do you want to do you want to do you want a good think tank um, discussion point? Open up the tank, let it flow. Social dilemma. Have you seen it yet? I did watch the social dilemma. What do you think? Yeah, that's interesting. It's very. Uh, it was such a well-made documentary. 
it's really well done it's really cool yeah so like half a movie half a you know but like even yeah even the interviews didn't really take you out of the the uh like gradual suspenseful build that like the music was was really through the entire time Yeah, yeah yeah but yeah i guess so what is it basically in summary the idea that um social media is toxic uh uh, is toxic (laughs) yeah 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 it's sort of like bringing out accentuating the worst in human beings that sort of like reactive side of their personality Mm. well and it's like dividing people so they they Um, sat down they they interviewed all these guys who were like (laughs) shit (laughs) you scared the dog um, they interviewed all these guys who were like um, big shots in um, these uh, these technology companies in Silicon Valley, like, and they weren't they weren't like interns. They were like, you know, technical director of Facebook, founder of Pinterest, you know, um, uh, the 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 head of community relations and all these sort of like you know big roles, like people who were essentially. Um, like some of them were especially were like involved in the whole monetization model of social media which became very popular which is instead of it being a paid subscription or something like that um they utilize ads and um in order to maximize profits with that model um you have to keep everyone target. online for as long as possible. Yeah, you, you and, keep uh, people online and you target them specifically. Yeah. Um, and that, that became a very popular way And the of game things. is to, like, get someone, uh, the user of the technology, to use it as much as possible so that they can be subject to the most ads or, yeah. you know, the most... So they'd be tracking, okay, what's, what, what is this user clicking on? Yeah. Um, and then giving you more of that. It does feel very different using a phone... Uh, than it does using a computer, which is, I feel like a computer is a more passive tool, you know, like the, fo- yeah. like, like, uh, a tool in, in, in their, yeah. in the social dilemma, they were describing a tool as, uh, something like they, they would say that you're not, this isn't a tool anymore. It's not a tool that you use. It uses you because it's sending you notifications, telling you to pick it up. You know, it's like actively it's using you. The notifications are a big deal. Yeah. It's like actively using, using you to push its agenda. And whereas a computer, you just go on when you want. I mean, I mean, computers do notifications and all that kind of thing as well. But I feel different when I sit down at the computer than when like my phone's sort yeah. of beckoning me. You feel more clear, like oh, I'm going to go to Photoshop or I'm going yeah. to look up this specific thing. Yeah. You don't feel like, oh, shit. Yeah. Someone tagged me in this. Oh, shit. Uh, someone's messaged me. Oh, shit. Um, you know whatever it is like um you know x many likes on your instagram photo anything like that especially in uh in lockdown i've had to tell myself frequently that these things are just tools and the the act of using it is not the end goal Mm. what you get out of using it is the end goal so you would use it to i don't know create something or or do something like don't make it about using the Mm. the technology itself yeah um, it's very hard it's very hard That's to so do hard. that. The, the release of it was very apt because at the time we were going through like one of the harshest lockdowns that um, that have been put in place anywhere in the world, you know, probably like top three or something like that if you want to get specific. But um, like everyone was basically like forced to be inside, you know, uh, 23 hours a day or something. Remember we had the hour of exercise? 
it's yeah like an hour of time that you're allowed to be outside it's like being in the yard <laughs> you know something like that and so like yeah you you're gonna be using all these things so much oh, more like and that's so many the, hours a day it's ridiculous it's it's insane and yeah. i i feel like people have just been becoming radicalized in their bedrooms through just using this tech all the time yeah like especially when it comes to like political stuff like you're only seeing one side of the story yeah a lot of the time mm-hmm. um which is just like it, it's it's basically and they talk about this in the doco it's 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 created a situation where there's like there's two truths mm. you know and and people can no longer see eye to eye across the across mm. the political aisle anymore yeah well, there's no need because you can just hang out with people who think the same way as you do yeah that's, that's, and it's, the com- and it's comfortable and why wouldn't you do and but it, it's got to the there's point no where need to go out and actually interact with someone else so. yeah but it's got to the point where people will you know like block each other on on facebook or mm. just stop seeing the yeah person. i did hear like there's a lot you know people decide uh you know they, they change their opinion of someone because they've their political viewpoint or yeah something like that. yeah it's it's interesting i don't yeah a lot of it feels to me like it shouldn't um like put that much weight on you because really it is just your social circumstances have meant that you ended up in this uh, different specific political yeah. uh, position 100% and you and uh, from that point um, you know you're just sort of like preaching what you've already heard from a certain extent like it may feel like you've sort of worked out this opinion yeah but like a lot of it becomes it's not as natural uh, as you think like uh, quoting quoting things you've heard and sort of like repeating yeah. repeating like listening and repeating kind of thing until that that seems to become a bigger part of your personality than um, interacting with people in the real world, which I think should be separate. You should see that as like a separate skill to 100%. have to be able to, cause, cause if you want, if you meet someone in the street, it doesn't really matter what they believe in unless they believe in killing you. Uh, mm. you're probably going to try and get on with them because that's, that's generally what people do. Mm. But for some reason, when you get behind closed doors behind this like electronic shield, you start to, uh, bare your teeth a little more. Yeah. You got the screen protector, you know? It's, yeah no it's crazy it's like the, the people who are you know pushing to those extremes are like literally looking at the other side like they're complete lunatics like they're, they're like they're actually insane people and mm. that's just madness to think that that's like plausible when 50 percent of people are going to fall on one side and 50 percent are going to fall on the other you know what i mean yeah like not directly obviously there's an in-between and whatnot but yeah well, it was interesting in the docker it says like it may seem like people on the other side uh you know haven't done their research or they're not intelligent or anything like that but i'm sure there's uh the issues on your particular political side that you're convinced of that is is a falsehood as well 100 percent. there's falsehoods on both sides that's always going to be the case you know whether you're a centrist left right whatever you know Mm. you're always going to be confronted by some sort of falsehood that you believe because you've you know been led down one of these paths of which there are so many on the internet it's 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 so it's so destructive for our society and this is like one of the main points that they drum into on the social dilemma where it's like hey this is gonna lead to civil war Mm. you know and it was kind of touch and go there during this election season um where both sides in america were just getting so Mm. just pent up with aggression and you know a will to harm the other side that Mm. like it like how could that possibly lead to a you know a positive outcome like that's just scary Mm. like if if 
I mean, it looks like Biden's in, right? Like, that's pretty much a certainty at this point. I'm not convinced that if Trump got in, things would be smooth sailing right now. I think there'd be a lot of people who are like, four more years of Trump? No way. I can't, you know. Mm. I, I don't know. I feel like there'd be, be like, a, it'd be a bit more violent, you know? Yeah, I think so. Like, not that there aren't, you know, heavy Trump supporters out there right now who are <laughs> totally in, in fits as well, you know? Mm. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just a crazy situation. Like, why, why even set up your country like that to have it so you just, like, elect someone, you know? Like, because the votes have landed, like, 49% and 51% kind of thing, haven't they? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's essentially, like, you're both deciding, like, which one's going to be in for four years' time. Like, no matter what happens, like, the, the, the losing side is going to be, like, filled with resentment for the next four years. It's, like... Mm. it's 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 crazy yeah it's a bit hard to uh like uh so biden was saying like oh this is like our america though we're all gonna work towards it but it's hard to say that and then have people who disagree with you and your opinion not think that you're uh just sort of gloating in a weird sort of a passive aggressive way so yeah it's mm. very hard to um get everyone together 100 percent in that sense and it's kind of it's it's very weird. It's it like it the election is sort of oversimplifying things uh in terms of its 50-50 nature as well because oh 100%. There are countries that don't have uh just two options that you pick from. Two mm. two options. Come on. It's it's not like <laughs> No, there's, there's it's not a very good situation. There's a whole spectrum of opinions out there. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, but that's the that's the worry with the internet is that that's one of the things I said in the um in the social dilemma documentary um that you're you're not going on the internet and finding what you agree with no yeah you're going on the internet and you're getting pushed down a specific pathway that reaffirms your beliefs yeah not so much that though that like there's already these like well-constructed ideals and ideas and ideals on the internet and like they don't have your specific like individual beliefs there for you, but they have something like it, and they'll push you in that direction to be more, more like what's already there for you to consume, mm. so that you will consume it. So it's it's sort of yeah. you're, you're sort of losing a little bit of your like it feels like humanity's losing a little bit of their diversity because there's less individual thought, like more group think, mm. that kind of thing. Well, yeah, you used to have like a much more sturdy kind of like. Um within a nation everyone would kind of think a lot more similar because you'd all be kind of consuming the same news sources you know like you'd be reading the same papers or you'd be watching the same news stations because there was only a few of them whereas now it's like there's infinite news sources and they have such a wide spectrum of like you know um these these kind of rhetorics and um you know the sort of things that they talk about like it's quite they're quite far apart from each other it's like uh, alternative media is great but like also kind of like it pushes that like Mm. and that when you when you combine that and when you've got like uh, more serious news sources trying to compete with these reactionary news sources suddenly they're going to start changing their content Mm. to get your attention in the same way that these more reactive uh, organizations use the quality has been um superseded by uh, getting the information out as quickly as it comes kind of thing. And then so there's so much stuff that goes around that's unverified and 
you know, just like, you know, two different news sources just completely conflicting, mm. you know, just com- actually just saying the complete opposite things. But depending on which one you're reading, you're going to think that the other one's not true. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's mm. just bad. Like, and in combination with this, this monetization model that these social networks have been um, thriving off, like... Google particularly kind of scares me in a lot of this stuff, you know, mm. like um, the Google suggestions and like what the Google algorithm decides to feed you is going to be based upon Where you're what, from. It want, what it thinks that you want to see, mm. like, because then you're more likely to engage with it instead of throw your phone aside, mm. you know. Um, and like I've, I've, I've noticed recently, like um, I picked up um, like DuckDuckGo, which is like an alternative search engine. Um, and God, the differences are just vast between what Google will feed you and what DuckDuckGo will feed you. And I, I, I wonder like, you know, how much of it is Google targeting me thinking that I want to see this stuff and how much it is Google wants everyone to see that stuff. I know it's more based on your location. That's what they said in the social dilemma. That's really interesting. So, so like, but depending on your, what, uh, so, yeah, I guess what you're talking about is where, depending on whether your city that you live in is particularly left or right leaning, um, they will show you media that relates to that, which seems a but little... that's a problem in itself. That is a very, like, yeah, because, I mean, you're sort of sending people down paths um, that they're sort of like, they were already destined to go down, but I feel like you're sort of <laughs> hitting the nail on the head a little bit more in that case, aren't you? <laughs> mm. It's but, really, it's really bizarre because, I mean... Yeah, Google's um, an interesting one because they... They were very uh, uh, ahead of the curve. Well, they had a lot of pride in the beginning about not being evil, and wasn't that their slogan mm, for a don't while? Don't be evil, <laughs> and then they silently just removed it from all of their uh, well, all their websites and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it just became so huge, and there's no way you can't be evil when you're. I mean, there's positive things about social media and the internet, and there's negative things as well, and you just can't avoid both of them happening if you're in in control of that many yeah users we could sit here and have a whole podcast discussion about all the great things that have happened out of the internet and out of social media because there's been there's been so many lives that have been improved you know mm. someone's struggling a whole bunch of other people see it and you know want to help even though they're in another country or whatever they still can help through mm. like you know all these different measures and like there's been there's been tons of mm. feel-good great stories but it's time to also recognize that this thing yeah. has a, a second head. That's what I thought. I thought the, uh, the documentary was overly dramatic, but at the same time, I think it needs to be just to get that idea into people's heads. Mm. Um, because, it, I mean, it, it's, it's sort of saying like, you know, everyone's more divided than they ever were. Um, like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. People have definitely disagreed before. There's been like world wars. We're not at war per se you know but like yeah the, it's it's just Might because be cold I, I personally have not experienced uh this much um divide between people but then again i haven't lived through anything this politically significant up mm. until now so i can't really say you know how how tensions were uh during other wars or you know anything like oh, that. yeah like leading up to like world war Two or yeah. something like that and it's and obviously now they've got all that data on uh depression and anxiety and stuff like that but it seems like that would have been harder to accrue uh, a while ago, you know, say say in the 1900s, because yeah. um, you don't you don't have people uh, like you like you, you can literally find out if someone's depressed by their 
by their f- what they look up and what their what their feed says. So, so now we've got a whole lot of data on people. So it seems like there's a lot of uh, negativity going on. But yeah, well, yeah, there was a very scary graph that they shared in that in that doco um, where they showed um, basically like the rates of depression and suicide amongst mm. teenagers yeah well suicide skyrocketing. suicide's an interesting one because obviously that is information they would have had from the past so um what do you mean so what i what i was saying was that um i i feel like you couldn't really uh, like, like less people, depression less easily. people would admit to being depressed previously i think i think it's more socially acceptable yeah, now but more the, people the numbers are going to suicide it. were but always visible suicide numbers that's yeah. probably a more uh, reliable statistic yeah i would say in any case they, they made the point that like in the past 10 years basically since 2011 like um all these numbers in teens have just been doing nothing but rising um and they they attributed it directly to social media which probably isn't entirely fair it's probably a multivariate uh multi multi-factor mm. equation but um but yeah there's also the the lifestyle that social media allows you um to see less people you can see their point and um sort of uh, isolate yourself a little more um definitely leads to depression so maybe it's not uh simply uh you looking at your phone and you see your friend who's who might be prettier than you and you get sad mm. uh maybe that's not the main killer but you know just the fact that you're sitting at home on your phone when you probably wouldn't have been in the past but like they make some good points because it's like humans are social creatures and they 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 do um depend heavily upon other people's opinions of them mm. and so they had that clip where there was like a you know a girl like a 13 year old girl or something who was uh, who like posted a you know duck face selfie or something like that and there was like a couple of good comments but then one of them was like oh, nice ears lol mm. or something like that and then she was just super um just sad like just super self-conscious of um, are my ears too big blah 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 like you know um and you can i've seen that happening with people i know where it's just like this isn't good for you like you've you've made a status and then you've got like one like on it in the first hour and you've and you've deleted it because you're so Mm. worried about how everyone else is going to perceive it if you didn't get a few good likes in there Mm. early on you know stuff like that it's just like this hyper awareness of other people's um, mm. judgments of you. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's a weird thing because it's it sort of translates to it, um, you know regular social interaction as well. You you'd imagine that people care about you more than you think they do. Wait, hang on. That you imagine that um, people care about you uh, a lot, but really they're just worrying about themselves. <laughs> is what i'm trying to say yeah so that's like one of the uh, brutal truths of our of our world yeah. and it's it's sort of depressing but it's also sort of liberating um, it's liberating in a sense because you can you can do what you want do what you want yeah <laughs> it's true no like it's a it's a big realization like you know um you, you drift apart with a, a friend who was really close to you for ages and it's just like uh a person wasn't putting any you can just you can try and justify these kind of ways but like you know i think everyone just yeah they don't they don't think about each other as much as mm. you 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 would think you know oh yeah i mean i think um uh losing friends is a little bit different i feel like i i, I care about my friends um that's not really what i'm trying to say but yeah, uh, no, you're, you're 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 talking more yeah. in terms of acquaintances and stuff like yeah, that. I'm t- yeah, yeah, t- I th- I feel like I'm talking more about um, what you, what's the word? 
just relationships that aren't that substantial that mm. that you place more you know you know you know there, there's a pressure in 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 your head mind you to you know buy a house get a mortgage get married <laughs> you know you know like get a the, mortgage <laughs> there, there's that's there like whether whether anyone's actually thinking that you should be doing that is another thing but you there's there's sort of like that social um and it's not necessarily a bad thing that social momentum that sort of keeps you uh driving towards more and trying to do more mm. all the time when really it's just it's it's imaginary if you didn't want that to be in your head you probably couldn't get rid of it but it's 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 still all in your head in some way or another hmm yeah no it's an interesting one because you you kind of it's it's hard not to just think oh you know how does this person feel about me like they're 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 almost definitely not thinking about you at all like yeah well if you think about if you think about how much you think about yourself like it seems obvious Mm. you know like how how much do i think about other people most of the time thinking about working (laughs) yeah i'm thinking about my own yeah yeah work my own yeah exactly like how i'm doing how how i uh seem to other people and i I think it's good to condition yourself uh to assess um how well you're doing socially and um think about these things regularly because you everything can be improved 100 percent. the way you talk to people all all that kind of thing but to um I, i feel like uh when it's right there and you're placing all of your self-worth uh, in sort of like a, in a digital version of this, this need. Mm. Um, it gets so, it gets extrapolated to the extreme. It you've does. Got, you've got people who look so much better than other people on social media and you're like, oh, how do You're comparing your <laughs> like low lights to everyone else's highlights, yeah. you know? Your your everyday life is is being, like when you scroll through a Facebook feed and you've got, you know, one friend is in, you know, Phuket, Mm. on a beach with a with a corona one person is you know getting married one person is just bought a house you know yeah it's like you've got 500 friends on facebook of course you're going to see like a couple of these like you know highlights if that's what you're on your facebook feed for and it's it's so weird because there's no it's not uh it's not a negative thing it's like people don't aren't being uh toxic trying like posting these sorts of images of them having a good time it's just like when you get in a conversation with someone you're not all depressing and you're like, oh, you know, mm. uh, well, maybe you are at the moment because um, <laughs> the lockdown, there's very few interesting stories for me to tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is why we're going on this stuff. Like, <laughs> But, uh, you know, you're going to bring up what you've been up to that's been good or, you know, something like that. Or if, yeah. or if, or if and, and it's just reflected like that on social media, except in a more extreme way because you can manipulate, manipulate your photos. You can, you know. Yeah, filters. Yeah. But it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you'll see everyone else's highlights. And then when it comes to a highlight for you, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm ha- this is... I'm having a great time or, you know, this is a really important thing or whatever. So you feel more compelled to post about that. Mm. But then that's just like adding to that feedback loop where everyone's getting like depressed by seeing everyone else's highlight reel all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the best thing is to, I don't know. I don't really post personal things on social media. I think that's... You post, you post I, artwork. <laughs> I post artwork. That's probably bad in its own right because it's sort of like there's, there's a bit of competition there, but I feel like it's more of an act and people know that it's an act because it's yeah. like... I, like if you treat it like you're an actor and you're, and you're putting out a personality, say, say like this show, we're kind of acting a little bit 
This is not how exactly it's we... It's like content creation, we, right? Yeah, this is not exactly how we, we would talk to each other. No. no in, it, real, it, in real life. It's like we're talking to it each other... It may seem like it because we're just rambling. Knowing that we've got like an, an audience <laughs> yeah. that's like listening to us almost. Yeah. You know, like we're up on stage with microphones or something like that. That's kind of how I try to imagine it so that I don't say stuff that's just like <laughs> gonna you know um gonna get us shut down yeah exactly get us cancelled <laughs> i don't know if we can get cancelled can we cancel ourselves i don't I think can, i, I could just canceled. cancel us if we're going too far we're not big enough to get cancelled <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe one day we'll get cancelled yeah but and then we'll know that we've made it but the difference is between someone who's acting and makes a conscious decision to feel like they're an actor um this is like these social media personalities which people are creating which is acting effectively they're tied so um so firmly to someone's personal life that that is their personality that's that's how they feel hmm. more so than if you were i don't know if you're making a character and putting it on social media it is it is all hard though like in, in the content creation realm because i mean it's art that you've created or it's um you know it's content that you've created like and so comparing how well it did compared to the previous one kind of thing. Like mm. you are going to reflect that onto yourself as in like, you know, take the heat of that. Like if, if something does half as well as most of your posts, you're going to be like, ah, oh, this is a bad mm. piece of art and I'm bad for making it, you know, like almost like that's that in itself isn't, isn't that great. But I mean, that's like, you know, that's just going to be part of the business you would be making that judgment no matter what if you were like writing books and one of them was a bestseller and then you made Mm. another one and it wasn't a bestseller you'd be like oh this book wasn't good enough this was shit book whatever like you're going to be beating yourself up about that yeah i guess it depends like if it's in a business context i'd probably just try to take that as like well gotta do a bit better because it is competition and it is like Mm. you know you are fighting with other people who want to be the ones who are seen Mm. In a business context, but you so. never you'd never be able to get the bestseller status unless you were putting out so much of mm. it that you know you were able to kind of f- figure out what you do and also you know collect um, all that attention over mm-hmm. over time, like um, to you know um, garner an audience that is gonna you know you you release something that's awesome, all of them are gonna be like this is amazing and tell everyone, and then that's how that one becomes the bestseller kind of thing or unless you tool and you just make everyone wet with anticipation for 10 years <laughs> album after album 13 fucking yeah <laughs> was it 13 years oh <laughs> it was like it was like five thousand days i thought they were gonna wait 27 years for a, for a minute there so it could be like yeah ten thousand days you know because they released ten thousand days in 2006 yeah it's like It'd be a bit of a meme if they just waited 10,000 days until releasing the next album. <laughs> given, given their age, the, the fact that they can still make the kind of extreme music that they make and put the energy into it is pretty incredible. So um, they I'm, better not wait another 10 years because I don't think it's gonna, they're going to last that long. <laughs> I'm, I'm just in love with Danny Carey, man. Like that guy. He's great, isn't that he? That guy was better than. Like, he's just. He's, he's incredible now. Like technically just amazing. Like yeah. best drummer on planet earth almost kind of level you know um where where but he never stood out in any of the previous albums you know but in this one for some reason there's just something about the drumming and in fury mm. inoculum that's just well i think yeah it was much more at the forefront of the music um in this one but if you go back and listen uh i feel i feel like i took more notice of him now but now going back to his earlier stuff i mean he's 
he's he's got some interesting influences like you know he he, um he said in an interview that he's much more interested in uh like african beats and things like that than um standard metal drumming and he's Mm. he's, he's, i like that i like artists who take their inspiration from a place that's not what what they're expressing Mm. that's when you get something really interesting all all drummers have to take take a bit of african drumming influence seriously it's just too cool it is very cool it's there's so much to that yeah the the rhythm of it and it's just it's so much more dynamic yeah um yeah because i mean if you sort of stay if you're like a metal drummer or rock drummer as danny carey is and you sort of stay i feel like if you just listen to that kind of music over and over again that was very good double kick well my double kick i I did like (laughs) um it sort of just becomes derivative of itself and that that's when things just become very stale Mm -hmm. i think if you're just getting inspired by essentially the same thing as you're making yeah it's not it's not gonna be very good i was talking about this with um with imi i am uh imi awusu drummer we know uh a artist that we know i should say um (laughs) uh worst drummer ever potentially the guy in the doors I heard him say that, actually. There you go. The Doors drumming is just awful, like, on reflection. I've been listening to a lot of The Doors recently, you know, doing the whole... He's just hitting the ride the whole time, isn't he? Just ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just one-dimensional as fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to be... Yeah. There's not... You don't always get a star for each member of the band. There's always a Ringo. Yeah. No, there's not always a Ringo. Tool, every every member of Tool's good. Yeah. Um, it's funny with that guy, um, that that drummer in, in The Doors, um, John um, Densmore or something is his name, but uh, he was like kind of like a bit of a wild man coming into the band, but then Jim Morrison just superseded him to the max. I reckon <laughs> that guy spent the whole four years or whatever The, the Doors were active just being so thoroughly jealous of jim like to the max like i don't know it's just reflected in a lot of yeah in a lot of like you know discussion about that that's interesting when you get a band that it's re- it's really all about the singer or it's all about the front man and uh that's that happens in a lot of music and then suddenly they're getting all the attention yeah you know yeah he's the one getting the photo shoots yeah yeah he's getting asked to do uh, sexy like features and stuff like they are the band at that point exactly they're the face of the band they are the band billy corgan have you um you know smashing pumpkins Mm. so the singer of smashing pumpkins billy corgan went on joe rogan's podcast and was talking about this exact thing and he was saying like one of his major regrets in his musical career was that he um he he got that ego of being the front man and then was happy to separate the band from himself in that way where he was happy to do the the front cover of time magazine or sorry what's a what's a guitar magazine um what's that one um time magazine would be a great guitar magazine maybe it was time magazine but like <laughs> <laughs> what's a guitar one um oh, there's a famous um, one rolling stone rolling stone so yeah it's like doing the front cover of rolling stone magazine like you know holding the guitar out or whatever just him on it though like um he was saying that like doing things like that really isolated him from the rest of the band the rest of the band not despised but they um um they didn't yeah they didn't didn't feel valued they didn't yeah exactly Mm. like they they felt like he was you know his ego was just over the top and whatever like you know because he was just like like obviously 
got that reputation and then started being hit up like hey do this interview can can we, can we get you to do this interview we'll pay you big bucks and whatever and it's like when people are saying that stuff to you you just kind of go yeah 100 percent, you know but he's saying like on reflection he wishes like for something like rolling stone magazine like no i'm not i'm not going to go on the front of the magazine by myself the band has to be on there mm. like we have to all be on there because mm. this is our thing like this isn't me this isn't a solo project this is the smashing pumpkins yeah you know yeah uh, yeah it's it's um it's a bit of a shame um that they're like a bit a band's dynamic it's difficult i imagine it is to, to maintain but you know it, it it's sort of you feed off the energy from other people it's a great situation to be in mm. and um i think it's you produce better music through jamming yeah yeah surely yeah well it's it's i find it's much easier um to get unstuck if you're stuck and you've got other people there to be like it's good enough let's move on or what about this idea you know mm. you get in you get in mind games with yourself when you're making music by yourself and you just you just reach dead ends and you can't see it another way it's really good to have a perspective of someone else yeah so I, I don't, yeah especially in the smashing pumpkins case i'd say that they probably do all deserve you know recognition recognition and credit because yeah. i can't name a single other smashing pumpkins member can you no like not not that they're like a favorite band of mine or whatever, but it's just it's easier to name the front man. Yeah, in pretty much all cases, there are bands. Um, I think progressive mu- music is great because um, in terms of the mixing and uh, the attention that's given to each individual artist in the band is pretty equal. If for a lot of music like that, like you mean like prog, prog, yeah, yeah. So, so um, explain prog. For the unenlightened. What's, what's prog? It's your songs can be as long as you want. <laughs> you can make them as soft or as loud as you want. Dynamic. It's yeah, as dynamic as you want. It's like you know. So the standard song would probably it's just be like chorus and verses. It's just indulgent music for musicians. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's better than that though. Like, it's, be- it's better. You than don't that. have to be a musician to enjoy prog. Like, um, I, okay. So the way I see prog is there's this, some like, like mainstream-ish prog bands like Rush. Yeah, Rush springs to mind. Yeah. But like, so like the idea is like your standard song will probably be made up of choruses and verses. It's like, you're going to have that hook come back to the chorus and then go into another verse Mm. and then have that hook again and come back into the chorus again. Mm. Like it's a very, um, like, yeah, it's just easy to listen to, but prog, prog basically throws that out the window and goes, no, fuck that. We'll have like a, you know, a five minute build up, you know, and, and then you know a three minute solo and, yeah and then like trail off it's a little more like uh it's sort of like classical music combined with rock in a way yeah because there's sort of these long sections that you don't know where it's going and then there's a build up and then it starts slowing down again i don't know it's just all over the place yeah yeah it's, it's like interesting though like yeah i don't know why it's not more popular from a you know yeah well i mean there's but um you know that's that's had its roots in a lot of other uh genres like jazz for example um, you know, there's there's lots of similarities between jazz and prog, and um, I gotta get into jazz. Jazz seems like, and then that sort of like merges with like funk and fusion and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, funk. Yeah, no, I, I really want to get into jazz. It just seems like the vibe. You know, <laughs> you strike me as a jazz man. You know, <laughs> you're a jazzy boy. Jazzy boy. <laughs> Let's go check out this um, jazz club that I found out about in the city. It's in a basement. You remember we're doing a podcast, right? 
Mm. No, I do. It's just like Eat also, also making plans, you know. Just <laughs> we want to be efficient with our time. We're not just on here <laughs> just to give you guys content the entire time. We want to get some stuff done at the same time. Do you manage to um, pirate the uh, the new Eric Andre? I haven't got the new Eric Andre. <laughs> and even if I did pirate something, I wouldn't tell you about it on air. Oh, really? Or maybe I would. Maybe. I probably would. Maybe you would. I don't know. Is it? Is it? Is this like? I don't really pirate stuff anymore. I'm not. I'm not in uni anymore, <laughs> mate. I'm not like. <laughs> I'll be pirating stuff at the age of seventy. <laughs> You'll be bankrolling, and you're like, ah, oh, still, still get it. Yeah, I'll still, uh, still download it. Hundred percent. It's probably, it's probably still be easier than you know, um, signing up to the specific streaming platform that's actually going to provide it to you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. I feel a bit weird about um paying these streaming platforms like i wonder how much money the creators get out of that it was fine just it was fine when it was just netflix Mm. but now it's like subscribing to a tv channel now exactly it's like it's it's become what it's sought to destroy in cable but if you've got a vpn you can use one of them and access a myriad myriad of titles right no they they stopped that they stopped that in like netflix's case at least Uh, really yeah, oh. like I, I it's disappointing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's still the case. It, like, I was doing this in the heyday of Netflix. Like, you would, you would have a subscription mm. to Netflix. That was great. It was great. It was, uh, yeah. You, you, you'd just be like, okay, what movie do I watch? This, I want to watch this movie. There'd be Go a specific search engine that yeah, you could which, use to type in any which title. Country is it on? And it'll tell you which country of their version of I'm Netflix. I'm pretty sure has you can it. still do that. No. They, they've got blocks on it now, I swear. Mm. I try it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they've. I think there's like specific VPNs that can do it for you. Is that right? I think so. Mm. Maybe I've just got the wrong VPN. Yeah. Virtual private network. I think that's what VPN stands for. Yeah, it sounds right. Sounds about I was, right. I was all with you on that journey throughout the yeah. whole time you were saying that. VPNs are interesting. It's basically like your, your IP address. It just pretends that your IP address is somewhere else. Yeah. And so, like, all the information you're getting is as if you're in that other location, basically. Mm. But it, it does slow you down because mm. it means, like, you know what ping is? Mm. Like, you want lower ping because it's, like, how close you are to the uh, the server. What, what, what What's the term for it? Um, the service center, let's say. <laughs> um, but, like, the ping will be huge because it's, like, bouncing the information from your house to san francisco and then back and then to the um mm. the service so yeah interesting stuff and that brings us to our sponsor nord vpn ah, fuck <laughs> off. nord vpn sponsors everything <laughs> seriously nord hit us up we'll, yeah we'll we, we will you. sponsor you we already we just sponsored you for free that was a little demo sponsor that was just a little just a little sample this is like you know what maybe we'll bleep them out and then if uh, they sponsor us we'll unbleep them <laughs> how will they know how will they know that we were bleeping them out oh, that's a very good point <laughs> when they listen to this they're not gonna know will they <laughs> no they'll just make they could think it'd be any any vpn service it could be anything yeah but seriously if you're a sponsor we'll take you what I was we gonna, don't care what it is what i was gonna say though before was like so you know like originally like you had the traditional television like channels and then um they had like cable like where it's like oh yeah we'll roll in like all these extra channels um and put it in a literal cable and you know run it to the run it to your house and uh like 
that was like essentially for Australians, it was Foxtel. Um, and there was a competitor, Ozstar, but they, they essentially that became like the model because they had to package up all the, all the channels into one, you know, thing that's going to happen with these streaming services as well. I swear to God. You reckon they're going to join forces? Because at, at the start it was just Netflix, but, but now it's like Netflix, Stan, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, uh, Hulu, um, the mm. list goes on. And, and so like, um, uh, I, 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 like I, can, I can very easily see a company coming along and being like, well, we'll just bundle this all up. And instead of people having to pay $70 a month, they can pay 35 a month or something like that. Yeah. And then suddenly there's just going to, it's just going to be the same shit just with slightly less ads. <laughs> yeah. And people are going to pay for it as well. They will. hundred percent. Uh, pricing things on the internet. This is sort of coming back to the social dilemma was so, it's so good now. Cause I feel like I wouldn't have paid for anything when the internet first came out it was too clunky it was, it was like scary. you're gonna pay for you didn't know what you would like if you would just lose that money you, yeah you're putting your credit card information sure. to this dodgy site yeah how do you know yeah how do you know it was the wild west that's not at all my point but that was that's a good point also mm, sorry I, i've <laughs> but, jumped uh, onto you no 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 you're all good um but yeah but now like it sort of just crept in they're like okay we'll, we'll try different things people aren't paying like two dollars a song that's not working what are we gonna do okay this subscription model just like knocked everything out of the park it sort of came out of nowhere spotify and, and suddenly i've got like seven subscriptions i don't even know what for anymore no it's, it's crazy isn't it <laughs> it's like i'm looking at the money drain out of my account like am yeah. i even using these services they're making so much money out of people's apathy 100 <laughs> percent. people just not using this stuff and uh you know it's like gym like gym subscriptions were like that yeah it's like i'm i'm paying you know x amount a month for this gym subscription yeah and then you're like you're just having a lazy week so you just don't you just don't go what are you talking about? We went to the gym like every day, bro. Yeah, bro. Every day. We're just lifting. We're actually so ripped. So fucking ripped. We can say that because this is an audio podcast. Yeah, no one can actually no see, one can us. see us. No one can see it. No one can see the truth. <laughs> the, the, true, the true level of, of skinniness and flabbiness. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, but like that's, that's, that's it. Like that's what they subscribe. They're, they're like a silent killer, these subscription services. They're bleeding me dry. They are. Yeah, I'd like to see like uh, over someone's lifetime how much money they give to uh, subscription services. It's a very common thing today, but it hasn't been in the past, has it? Yeah. So it's like dragging that over a lifetime. It's kind of you just got to extrapolate from the past ten years. Yeah. You could do it. We can do the math. Yeah. One one thing I've heard, like I mean, I I like follow a lot of these kind of like frugal spending slash you know invest your money wisely kind of you know different forums and stuff online and um one person was in there just saying like subscriptions are the death of of, mm. of this like just just literally close your account <laughs> start a new account with none of those subscriptions like you will figure out like very quickly the things that you were actually using because you'd be like oh shit i can't access this anymore okay i'll sign up again mm. right but like you're gonna cut a solid 60 70 maybe even 80 percent of your subscriptions that way without even you know just yeah. a stroke of a pen just change bank accounts i was pretty good with that occasionally i freak out and i realize that that's going on and then i'm like okay let's see what i got going on mm. 
Apple, Apple's really good at on your phone. It sort of like lays out everything that you're subscribed to. Oh yeah, and then you can just be like, oh, I wait, don't is this that. like Apple Money? Like, what is this? Yeah, I guess so. Pay? Was it like the, the Apple Pay? Like you can buy, uh, yeah, Apple Pay, but you can buy like Disney through Apple or something like that on your phone if you download the app. Interesting. So is that using, keeps, is that using Apple Pay? Um. Yes. Very much just off on this. No, Apple no, I thing. think you're right. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like that's an interesting one that's been happening recently. I don't know if people have noticed, but the payment services you're talking about. Well, yeah, there's been a bit of a revolution in um the uh payment um systems like um everything is becoming easier and easier and easier and oh it's so easy to buy stuff now and and so <laughs> one 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 really important part of this is all these massive tech companies um apple google facebook all have their own payment systems now um and they're all super light you know like really quick easy to use and stuff like that and they're full-on challenging the big banks of the world mm. right now like, it would be it's so easy i mean they, they've got like fingerprint technologies built directly into it things like that you know oh yeah it's 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 crazy how far ahead of the like it is so easy for these tech companies to get into banking mm. it is really hard for these banking companies to get into tech yeah like you know i can yeah because they've got to, to to get into tech they've got to talk to these big tech companies and get their technology they get get their bank integrated with their payment systems it's nuts man like the amount of money that these big banks are spending right now like i can only speak to the australian ones but like you know i I won't i won't get too specific here but i know someone who was working at one of these big banks and he was just saying like dude the amount of money they are flooding into their tech systems right now is insane and there's a lot of massive growing pains like it is not easy for them at all Mm. to, to try and get into tech like not easy at all and yeah. so he was making the prediction like these these tech companies are just going to steamroll yeah i mean the tech companies they, they've been swallowing up industries left right, right, and, left center. right and center yeah for years it's and it's just going to get worse they've got brilliant minds who are already they've got some momentum already they're already uh coming up with the ideas and they've they've been they've probably planned 10 years ahead from now you know yeah uh, they've got a head start on people who either thought it wasn't going to happen or weren't ready for like full integration because people want it to be easy mm. i like it i like it when it's easy as well when everything's in the one spot pretty much that's how you can you can sell a lot of people in convenience yeah it's like um it's kind of like you know everyone transitioning to online shopping like um you know absolutely accentuated through like at least here in melbourne through the lockdown because you don't really have much of a choice you know there's no kmart's not open like what, what are you gonna do kind of thing mm. um but like yeah, I, I do. I do like that about uh, technology because it's it's meant to make your life easier. Mm, That's is. the point of technology. It's so true. So, uh, I guess it just gets a little bit worrying when like certain things have so much power. It's a bit like the political system where you have, uh, you know, two parties and like they both have like almost equal weight of people like divided equally. You know, there, there should be more options than that. It would yeah. just it would just be better because if something went wrong with one of those companies. Or one of those parties, or they something. Hold the keys. They, suddenly, you've just got like more and more people who are dedicated to that, who are going to be in trouble, or who are going to cause trouble. It's a scary one. Um, yeah, I mean, monopolies are bad. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> monopolies. Monopolies are really destructive. Like um, they, like if you if you have 
one person who's that far ahead of the game in whatever it is like maybe it's maybe it's you know selling cars you know or whatever like we don't there's not really a monopoly there in 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 selling cars but if there was then you know through their scale of economics through their um massive net like they're able to control the price a hell of a lot easier they're able to you know find all these efficiencies and they're able to beat out their competitors every time like um that we literally like this is like one of the major um things in economic theory like for for this capitalist system to work is that monopolies need to be stamped out when they're found and that's not happening anywhere near enough um Mm. right now there's just you know because these these companies they have such power that they yeah well i mean success just becomes easier and easier the more successful you get Mm. and so they've just got these they've got huge amounts of resources i mean how can you catch up as a company trying to get into that industry yeah you can get into parts of it but they're creating little ecosystems monopolies that you just sort of immerse yourself in and then people can't live without them they're not going to go somewhere else i was hearing something really interesting recently might be worth going into a little bit so you know lobbying and all that stuff right so like um corporations have become so powerful that they form these super pacs in the states and similar kind of um, organizations here in australia and other countries in the world where they are able to you know harness all this incredible wealth that they've generated to influence politics at a at a superior level to the common man who is simply a, a taxpayer and you know a worker in the society like they're able to garner so much more influence through through these um these kind of lobbying groups essentially um and uh obviously that's terrible you don't want that happening because then you know it's 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 one step closer to the corporations you know ruling over the people essentially because the governments rule over the people and if the corporations rule over the government then you can basically take out the middleman at that point can't you um which isn't good for us because you know corporations are only driven by profits essentially and purely profit driven Mm. stuff is not good you need regulations on these guys um in order to you know i mean like obviously the big one recently is the environmental sustainability stuff it's like um are we killing our earth over here maybe we should be careful about that you know because profit doesn't exactly just you know suggest that you should um be thinking about the environment that's a huge shift of mindset to try and convert everyone from a profit-based uh goal or mentality Mm. to uh you know some something where you have values and you you care about things that aren't money Mm. because it's it's not what on a on a small scale it's not what society teaches you as a as an individual like the more money you have the better your life is so go go get it get a better paying job get a get a this get a that they're starting to change the rhetoric on that stuff in in um education um where they're talking a lot about triple bottom line outcomes and stuff like that for corporations where Mm -hmm. it's like um you know in in subjects like economics and business and stuff like that they're talking about triple bottom line which is essentially economic success environmental success and Mm. social success kind of thing for your company like you can't economic success is still up the top (laughs) 
Well, I mean, <laughs> it is important. If if you don't have ex- economic you, success as a company, you don't exist. If you're not a profitable you company, exist. you don't exist. That's <laughs> just a brutal reality. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But if if someone's if if you're in a company and you're under time pressure, and you're like, okay, what have I got to do? Uh, first and foremost, make money. Okay. Well, I don't have time to do anything else. I don't have time to save the world at the same time. You know, they're not going to. Yeah. It's it's going to be hard to get people to get on board with something like that. I mean, yeah, it's it's really hard to constantly be thinking of everything through the through the um, lens of um, environmental sustainability. Like, unless like that's your whole thing, right? Mm. Like for for you, for instance, unless you're you're monetizing sustainability with your product or whatever. Not to get too personal with it, but like for instance, like you you buy a lot of ink pens. Like, have you considered like the sustainability factor of these ink pens? Probably not as, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you got real personal, bro. A little bit. I didn't even buy that many ink pens. You buy a lot of ink pens, bro. I kill a lot of trees though. You kill I'm, a lot I'm, of, my, I, my work is on paper. So, <laughs> but if you're going to spend 50% extra to get, you know, pens that are better in paper, that's better and more, you know, from a more environmentally conscious source, like, you know, it adds up quick. Like it's, it's hard to make those decisions, you yeah. know? when there doesn't seem to be a cost for doing so. Like, a, mm-hmm. there's not a social cost for it because you're not having people in your comments being like, I can't believe you're using inkjet, you piece of shit, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, you're right, man. I should buy some more sustainable pens. <laughs> you know, I know there's an ink that they make and they just literally squeeze it How out of the worms. you for this? <laughs> it's so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just it's it just interesting that you chose pens because you know I don't go through that many pens. I chose pens because they're kind of innocuous, like you don't really think about them, you know. Yeah, as opposed to paper. Sure, you think about paper probably more so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is interesting that there are sort of these like buzz, uh, uh, like buzz items that if you're that people are more conscious about um, the environment for, like cling wrap or you know something that. Uh, but but there are other items as well that you use regularly that you don't even think about because it hasn't been brought to you in like it's like it hasn't been presented to you socially, so you don't think about pens, for example. Yeah, no one talks about sustainable pens. I'm sure mm. they do. There's probably sustainable pens. I'm but. sure there's a there's a movement for sustainable pens out there. I don't I don't buy big bags of big pens, bro. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna <laughs> chuck them out after a single use. You know. Um, I want to go back to something because um, I didn't um, I didn't quite finish the the entire thought around this stuff about lobbying and corporations and stuff like that, right? Because um, uh, one um, person I heard talking about this stuff recently was talking about um, Donald Trump and his his last four years in presidency, where through his whole idea of drain the swamp a major component of that was like, you know, trying to kick the money out of politics sort of stuff. Right. And the thing is he actually wasn't very successful at that. Like, because yes, it was, he would reject these, what they call super PACs, um, kind of like lobbying groups and stuff like that because he, he just wasn't beholden to them. Right. He was just like, well, you know, I'll talk to you later kind of stuff. Like, you know, he would always palm these guys off. But what ended up happening over the course of his presidency was it it ended up being pretty much everyone in his inner circle was a lobbyist. Because like it's like these 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 corporations would be like, How are we gonna access this guy? you know? And so the access 
became through all of his like close friends and family, all the people he was surrounding himself with, talking with all the time and stuff like that. And so it became a hell of a lot more subtle and actually kind of a bit more reflective of, um, you might say, how a king would operate in um, a medieval society or something like that. King of the castle, he's got a council of people who are like low-key swaying him to certain things or another for, you know, their own, like everyone has their own motivations, right? Like maybe one of these guys owned a brothel and was like, oh yeah, we absolutely need to have brothel, like like an ale house or something. And he's like, you know, um, pushing the king to make, you know, that be more, um, I don't know, whether it be subsidized or more uh, legal or whatever it is, like there'd be, you know, things like this going on, you know, um, and it's all like really subtle kind of influence, influential pressures, you know, and that's like this guy, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could name the source, but this guy was alluding to like that. Um, that's essentially how things have been operating under Trump for the last four years. And so it hasn't actually removed money from politics at all just to stop talking to these lobbying groups and stuff like that. Mm. It's just changed the method. Yeah, right. That's that's full on. So what consequences do you think that might have then? I mean, it's, it's essentially same, same, right? Like it's the same, it's the same puppet masters behind the scenes, you know, pushing for certain policies and, and whatever. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, Trump's obviously a very headstrong, you know, just kind of does what he wants kind of character. Um, so you would think that it's hard to influence him to do certain things, but everyone is everyone is able to be influenced. Mm-hmm. Like you, you give it enough, um, expo- you give them enough exposure mm. to the influencing factors, and they're gonna they're gonna slowly change their minds. It's like how, like, I was... So, the Illuminati. The Illuminati, is, is yeah, in the man. office. The deep state. <laughs> deep state. The globalists. <laughs> there's always... That's that's an interesting thing, isn't it? There's always, like, an enemy or there's always, like, these these people that you don't see who are pulling all the strings. There's, there's that idea. It's George Soros. When, uh, when really, that's probably not the case in a lot of cases. It's it's far more complicated than that. I think a lot of a lot of these kind of conspiracy theories mm. around this sort of stuff. It's sort of like you get yourself in a position where what your your actions affect other people in an extreme way and then you can't account for all of that. So you're you're in a position like Google where they're like, "Oh no, all these bad things happen because of the system we set up." But really, they just gave people some tools and um they didn't know what was going to happen. It's a bit of a gamble. Yeah. You could be blaming uh them for something that definitely wasn't considered. You know, or maybe it was, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, yeah, I mean, what I was going to say there was like, I, I think, I think it's very easy for, for the mind to go to, oh well, there's bad things happening. There must be like someone behind all this. Mm. There must be one force. Scapegoat. That's, that's yeah, essentially like there must be one all-encompassing power that's actually the reason for all this bad stuff happening, mm. and it's kind of you can feel safe almost in in having that one enemy to target mm. but the reality is it's just like it's chaos it's mm. everyone's pulling in different directions all the time and 
just humans are subject to um, the whims of emotion and subject to, um, you know, just it's it's just a mess. Like it's just there's constantly there's constantly stuff pulling people in different directions and yeah, there's no there's no clear answer to it. Yeah, and I think that's why because uh, at least human nature was pulling us in those directions before. I think that's the concern now is that this like artificial um, entity essentially is dragging you in certain directions with certain opinions, certain ideas. We're we talking about like social media, social media or just tech in general, just getting you to do yeah. things in a different way. It, and that's another thing mentioned in the social dilemma that um, full circle. So I was trying, I was going, I was going for that. <laughs> it. Um, where you've got human nature um, it's you're not evolving very quickly as a human sorry you're about the same as uh, 200,000 years ago the human beings around then you haven't we haven't changed much um, in terms of mental uh, capacity or anything like that so uh, you've got that and now it's being confronted by technology which is just exponential in terms of its process processing ability and complexity of uh, programming um, influencing the way that you think and you you're sort of you're you're much more at the whims of that that technology than you were i think yeah everyone's everyone's way more subject to this stuff than they than they think they are mm. or than they want to think they are um because that's you, no one wants to feel like they're not in control of themselves like you know mm. you everyone has a deep sense of who like mm. who they are or even if they don't they they yeah, do, like you know, there's the argument that even before technology, you didn't really have control of yourself. You're just a subject of your circumstances, and um, yeah. So it comes down to um, uh, it comes down to Sam Harris's idea of free will. How no one actually has free will. Mm. They're all just a, an amalgamation of all the influences that are constantly afflicting them. Mm. Like uh, whether that was a genetic thing or whether that was like a environmental thing. You know, um, mostly environmental. He'll say. Mm. Um, just everyone is everyone is just a, a, a subject of their of their environment essentially like they're they're all no one's actually choosing to go to the shops or something like you know yeah they've got they've got a, a biological system that's telling them you're hungry you need food and a brain that's saying well there's no there's no food that i want to eat in this cupboard <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so that's kind of where he goes with that and on that very ponderous note ponderous note we'll let you ponder until next week because space get its pot is back we're back we're back baby this feels so good man i was gonna say baby and then i was like maybe i won't nah we're back baby we're back baby (laughs) (laughs) thanks for tuning in guys it feels good to be back thanks it's been excellent we'll uh we'll keep you in the loop with everything that's that's going on in this world and try and give you some interesting takes on it. Space Cadets part of the Bible for the next generation. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Damn, son. Space Cadets on